1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDSE.
2: Hello and welcome to the penultimate ever episode of Slate, Money, Succession. The end is nearly nigh, but we have two amazing episodes. I'm absolutely sure the last one's going to be amazing. This one was amazing. Of Succession to cover before it's all over. I am Felix Salmon of Axios. I'm here with Emily Peck of Axios. Hello. With Elizabeth Spires of the New York Times and other places. Hello. And our special guest this week, Abby Disney. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
2: Abby, introduce yourself. Who are you and what is your Uh, relationship to this here show?
1: Let's see who am I. I'm a filmmaker and an activist and my great uncle was Walt Disney, my grandfather Roy Disney. So I lived a little bit of this succession life, let's just say.
2: Do you think that the Roy family surname was named after Roy Disney?
1: It had, had to be. They have amusement park. And I was thinking I was crazy, but I actually was on a Zoom call with Jesse Armstrong and I was like, am I out of my mind or... And he was in his, like, library, and he reached behind him, and he pulled Disney Wars off the bookshelf, so I felt at least like I wasn't being crazy. (laughs) I mean, because we're not like them in a million ways. You know, we are so much nicer. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, we haven't kept control of the company. I mean, like, that's the most key thing. And, like, Mm -hmm. isn't that ultimately the critique of these family empires?
2: When did the um, Disney family lose control of Disney Corp?
1: My father had a couple of different fights with the company around leadership, one in the 80s and one in the oddies. And um, this last one in the oddies, he sort of left the board and then didn't insist on someone staying behind in terms of family so that was the end of that and what ceo would ever ask us back in (laughs) you know just kind of suicide
2: lucas matson being the answer to that question
1: maybe i feel a little you know i could probably have some sparks with lucas too (laughs) but maybe they'd just all be on my end
2: (laughs) so this is quite the episode again Mm -hmm. written by jesse armstrong longer than most i think it's 72 minutes and no pre-credit sequence just dives straight in there and so much happens in this episode we'll go through it all but to your point to what's happening between Shiv and Matson. like now we have the thing we've been waiting for all season which is the three siblings coming apart and all going their own sort of individual separate ways Roman most disastrously but Shiv now has a clear alliance with Matson. she seems to be in pole position to take over not only the CEO of Waystar Royco, but in fact as CEO of the merged of Gojo after it acquires Waystar Royco as a kind of sop to the regulatory concerns that Mencken claims to have. So she's on the ups, and Kendall is gearing up to fight her. Emily, what do you make of this?
0: I thought this was a great episode to have Abby on because... <laughs> It's this it's a funeral which is emotions are raw as we come to see with Roman and the siblings are apart at the beginning of the episode but they sort of come together a bit in the funeral when emotions get really hot. You can see that they love each other. It's really clear. They
2: do comfort each other when Roman breaks down. Yeah.
0: yeah. But at the same time, they're in this, like, bitter war. <laughs> and the 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 lines are really drawn so starkly and clearly in the episode. It's this, like, really good setup for the, like, core issue here, which is this is a family that also has a business. And it's just It's just a not compatible situation, and that all comes to light in this episode.
3: Yeah, well, everybody in this show views the funeral as as a kind of business, a crucial business opportunity. From Lincoln to cousin Greg to you know, uh, it sort of works on two levels. You know that there's going to be some crazy manipulations happening in the middle of a you know deadly serious funeral.
2: The, the, my, my favorite line. My favorite line is when Caroline talks about her husband and says he's now going to roll around like a Labrador in a lovely pile of senators. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like this great networking event. And Roman's fatal flaw is that he actually expresses like he can't control himself, and his emotions come to the fore, and that's like his downfall at the business event, which is also his father's funeral. Whoa.
2: <laughs> yeah, Roman. Roman, like every time he's had any success on this show, and there have been, you know, they, they all have their moments of success, but Romans are always more one-on-one. You know, especially mm. the Roman Menken relationship. Yeah. You know, they have that very odd sort of quasi-sexual thing going on when they're just meeting the two of them. But Roman in public is just not. He doesn't work at all.
1: Clearly. He's the baby of the family, so he kind of, like, doesn't do well in crowds and doesn't do well, like, when he has to kind of actually back up all this insult and bravado and everything like that. And he just was so exposed. And, of course, he had the breakdown we were all waiting for him to have for four years anyway. Yeah, he's also just
3: notoriously bad at controlling his emotions generally, but we usually see it come out with him, you know, hot-headedly firing someone on impulse or just declaring in this very authoritarian way that something's going to happen because he's the boss. And I think this is maybe the first, maybe not the first time, but where you, you see him unable to control his more vulnerable side.
0: It's such a turnaround from the previous episode where he seemed to come out on top, right? He got his man, essentially elected president, and he thought he had this huge win. And Kendall was anxious because, you know, Roman had the upper hand. And it's just completely unravelled in this episode, and it's from top to bottom, right? Because it opens with Roman and his apartment, sort of going over a speech and like all puffed up and proud of himself, um, and it ends with him like laying in the street, basically, yeah. right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> can we just, yeah, very quickly, Abby, since you're you're the representative of the of, of the, of the demographic,
1: here, yes? <laughs> can, can we
2: can can we ask about that walk-in closet? Because that was, you know, yeah, this is actually the, to- the The whole taffy question about, like, is Succession actually aspirational? That walk-in closet, for anyone who doesn't have a walk-in closet like that, was aspirational.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's very aspirational. (laughs) Especially if you live in New York City. My God, the square footage. Insane. I mean, I've seen closets like that for sure in New York. Yes, I've seen more than one of them. That's, That's like, you know, it's a sign. You know, when you know you have a lot of money, you don't need to show it off. You know, it's just implied. And so your closet's a private space. It's like a place for you to revel in. You're at square footage that you can afford that nobody else can. Your color-coded blazers. Yes, your (laughs) color-coded
2: blazers. Yeah, and and your place where you, you know, practice your speech in the Full length mirror. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's such a New Yorker perspective on it. Because regular people have nice walk in closets in some of their homes outside of New York. (laughs) It's just you can't do it here.
2: Maybe this is true. Maybe I've just been living in a weird like New York bubble the whole time. And in fact, if I were to live in St. Louis, then that walking closet would not be aspirational at all. It would just be a walking (laughs) closet.
3: (laughs) Wow.
0: Any closet is aspirational in New York City, I think.
2: Yeah, Yeah. if you're not keeping your clothes in the oven, then you're doing well.
0: You've
4: made it.
2: (laughs) The way that Roman falls apart and is immediately comforted by his siblings, the breakdown is recorded, Carl and Frank start gleefully like playing it back and jerry who has you know been roman's great antagonist over the course of this season is the one who kind of comes to his defense and feels sorry for him and says like guys come on like you're going too far
1: yeah, I mean I mean it was it was it was genuinely sad, wasn't it? I mean it was a real breakdown. And it's not just this season he's been heading for. It. It's all along since the beginning. You can't but look at him and think, "Oh my god, you know, you are a sick puppy. You are really <laughs> going to have problems at some point in your life." So, that was a big breakdown and it was like four seasons' worth of just chaotic emotional state. And, you know, I think one of the things that creates such entitled people in wealthy, wealthy families is nobody says no to children enough, mm. and they very often don't fully grow up. And uh, he's a great example of somebody who has access to all the sex and the drugs and the money and everything else, and he's not a grown-up, and he doesn't have grown-up capacities. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, I found it heartbreaking, even if he's sort of hateful.
2: She's yeah. eulogy was a little bit about Logan saying no. Most of the time, to most people, and then occasionally, you know, opening up the window to the sunlight, or whatever the metaphor was, and and allowing people to bask in it briefly before closing it off again.
1: Her eulogy was a little bit, I mean, I'm so glad she talked about what it was like to be a daughter specifically, you know, because, yeah, you just definitely don't feel like you can be contained in their heads. They don't understand you, you know. She did a good job of explaining, like, what was great about him. While also telling the truth.
3: Yeah, the way she described it where she said he couldn't fit a whole woman in his yeah. head, I thought oh. it was just a great way to articulate the way, you know, some men are just incapable of seeing women as full humans. And, you yeah. know, she's saying this about her father, but then she says, but you did an okay job. <laughs> <laughs> Inherently mis- misogynistic. You were a decent dad.
0: <laughs> it's so different from how I was noticing how she talks to and about her mother, who mm. is equally as doesn't, isn't loving or caring and is mean and awful, just like Logan, but she doesn't give her the same kind of generosity as she gives her father in that speech. You know what I mean? It's like, she's just as misogynistic as everyone else in, in a way. It's just expecting more from her mother, I think, and uh, hating her her more for not getting it.
1: And her mother didn't have anything to give her. You know, her mother wasn't the rich one. The mother wasn't the famous (laughs) one. And so if she wasn't loving them, what was she good for? Mm -hmm. Just mean comments. yeah.
2: But but, Okay, so, I mean, you know, we can all be rude about Caroline, but Caroline (laughs) came through like that amazing stroke of genius where she cut... What the Brits call the wags, the wives and girlfriends, where she just... (laughs) Lines them all up next to each other and says Logan would hate this. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, delicious. That was good.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very good.
2: <laughs> and causes well, was like just... ultimately causes a rapprochement between Marsha and Carrie.
1: Pretty shocking hand holding going on in
3: that pew. That that scene was so well written because when she says, you know, this is Sally Ann, and you think it's her introducing Carrie to somebody in you know, these elite circles, and then she says To Marsha, you know, Sally Ann was my Carrie. And that was just mind-boggling. Yeah.
0: Well, Sally Ann has been hinted at throughout the series. They're always Mm. dropping her. Not always, but they've a few times dropped the name Sally Ann. So I've often wondered who the hell Sally Ann is. Is she dead? Did Logan kill this woman? Like, (laughs) who is she? And so I was glad they finally revealed that mystery and also revealed the mystery of Logan's sister, Rose. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We didn't see um, Connor's mom, though. Who might be dead? We don't know. I feel like she Or might just be locked up somewhere.
1: She's in the booby hatch, isn't she? You poor baby. (laughs) (laughs) They just threw away the key.
2: But yeah, so we find out from Ewan about Rose, who it turns out died as like a baby. And Logan's uncle and aunt allowed him to believe that it was his fault. Ewan, what is, how does he describe his uncle? A character, which is basically, uh, I think is his way of saying, you know, those scars on Logan's back probably mm-hmm. came from the uncle.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, then they've spoken of him before that he was cruel, cruel man. So it wasn't good.
2: <laughs> Elizabeth, what did you think? What did you make of the Ewan speech?
1: Well, it's funny that I felt like
3: UN speech was a little bit of an inversion of what ended up being Shiv's and Kendall's speech, because he starts out with these things that make you feel a little bit sympathetic toward Logan. You know, they humanize him a little bit. Uh, you feel terrible for him whenever they mention that the aunt and uncle never disabused him of the notion that he killed his sister. And then he goes straight into, and because of that, you know, he's done all these horrible things in the world and, Kendall and Shiv, by contrast, they take a moment to acknowledge something terrible about their father, but the speeches are overwhelmingly saying, here's the terrible thing, but everything else was good. And for Kendall, it's it's saying, you know, he really was a brood. I agree with Ewan. And for Shiv, it's, you know, he was hard on women, but he was fine to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I think the Ewan speech really set up the other two to be more poignant I guess, but you don't come away from it thinking that Ewan was a total asshole for saying it because you know that it's okay. fundamentally true.
1: The other two, I didn't find poignant. Kendall's speech, I didn't. I found beautifully written, but if you really listen to it, it's it's the ultimate defense of capitalism for its own sake. You know, so yeah, my father did these awful things, but he also, what is it? He he made he made money. Ambitious to. <laughs> make and own and desire things. I mean, like, it's everything bad about a highly consumerist material culture. <laughs> but you and what he was critiquing was everything that comes as a result of the materialist culture. They were perfectly in opposition to each other, which is why it's so interesting. You started with the hard things, which are reasons, not excuses, right? And then goes on to the real critique.
2: But I, think, I feel like Ken was the only one who read the assignment <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. like he was he was the one who came up and gave this like incredible like Anne Randian speech about great geezers of life he willed yes. and and if we can't match his Vim, then God knows the future will be sluggish and grey. And he is clearly directing that speech at, you know, the assorted senators and grandees and powerful people in the room, but especially at Mencken. And it lands with yeah. Mencken. And suddenly, like with one speech, the thing that Kendall was worried about last episode was that the Mencken relationship was with Roman and not with him. And he's like, I don't feel comfortable about this. I, want, I need to own this relationship. I can't have Roman owning the relationship. Roman then dissolves into a puddle of tears, which is the weakest and most pathetic thing you can do in the eyes of someone like Mencken.
1: In, at a funeral.
2: <laughs> and um and Kendall comes in and gives this red-in tooth and claw capitalist yes. speech, which is music to Mencken's ears, at the which and so Mencken immediately like basically dumps Roman, moves to the other brother, says good speech, and like and, and just but then just as Kendall tries to capitalize on this new, you know, political capital that he's built up with Mencken, suddenly the whole family starts swarming him and, yes. and, and he can't get a word in edgewise. And it's Shiv who comes in and says, you know, quietly, I can be your extraction team, yeah. <laughs> which is such a great line.
1: Such a good line, yeah. and You really do feel like he's a little bit delighted he's been rescued from those oddballs and freaks. Yeah, I don't think
2: I don't think that Shiv could have manufactured that meeting with Matson so easily if it wasn't for. For Mencken really needing to get away from him. What was that great line <laughs> from Connor about?
1: Oh my god, the, my favorite one. The Panhabs,
2: the 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 American-led EU alternative, which is so glorious. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's bring back the Austro-Hungarian <laughs> Empire. <laughs>
0: There was just a Times piece about yes. one of the one of the Habsburgs. Yeah, Did he's racing he's like race like curves. So, they're racer. all on the
3: same what, WhatsApp, <laughs> <up> too. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> it was just an amazing fact.
0: <laughs> Poor Kendall. He gains leverage for about five seconds. But he's not done gaining leverage. I mean he's Well
2: now he has leverage over with Hugo. Hugo. Which yes. like I mean, I feel if all the people you need leverage over, Hugo is not top of the list. He's, <laughs> he's lost Jess, which he is not happy about. Oh, let's mm. talk
3: about Jess. also we need to talk about colin because he yes yeah Yeah. 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 so he's trying to get
2: colin back colin has zero desire to work for kendall but kendall's like no i need you know i need you inside the tent pissing out
1: i I, yeah yeah, i thought colin was kind of delighted with the idea of working for Kendall. i didn't get that he was reluctant i mean he after that speech i think colin was all aboard
2: Oh really? I took yeah. it the exact other way when Kendall huh. says, "You know, I want you to work for me," and Ke- and Colin immediately says, "I don't love it," which is, you know, the closest he can I go to saying, saying no. I thought he was saying he
1: didn't love his well, quasi retirement. I thought, that yeah, was he doesn't love quasi retirement and oh. therapy. Oh. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And Ke- and Kendall's like, "Well, don't talk to your therapist. Talk to me." Right. He's yeah. like, "What?" Chilling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not going to help.
2: <laughs> you know, in terms of the people who know about. Kendall's quasi-murderous history. Kendall did finally come clean to his siblings at the end of last season, but really it was Logan and Colin, right? Yeah. Logan's yeah. dead now and Kendall needs Colin not to make that public.
0: Yeah, that's a squeal. That was my takeaway. Like, you can't be in therapy talking about your secrets or my secrets. Right. Instead, yeah. just work for me. And plus, Kendall's vulnerable now without Jess, which we will talk about. Yeah. Uh, so he needs like a new someone, you know, to be around for him. Okay, yeah. so
2: Emily, Kendall and Jess.
0: Yes, so in the last episode there was this scene where Jess was without Kendall and she runs into Greg as Greg's about to deliver this news that they're going right. to declare Menken the president. And there's like this pause in this moment between the two of them where you can see that Jess is not excited about Menken becoming president. He's this white nationalist. Jess is the only I think only black character, definitely the most prominent black character on this show, which is all pretty much all white people, and there's just this moment you could tell she's not happy and of course Greg doesn't care. Goes and does this thing or whatever. And now in this episode Jess quits and I think the implication is pretty between the lines that she's quitting because of Menken of because what happened like she can't live with it. There's this really good interview with the actress who plays Jess in Vulture where she kind of talks about it. And she just, she can't do it anymore because she can't pretend that this doesn't involve her or something. So she's taking a stand. But she's not taking a big enough stand where she would actually admit she's doing that to Kendall, which is sort of interesting too. What did you guys think?
2: Yeah, Kendall gets it, right? The first thing he asks, pretty really much is, is this because of Mencken? Mm-hmm. And she, you know, doesn't say yes, but she doesn't say no. She's, mm-hmm. She basically allows, you know, she doesn't disabuse him of that notion, let's say.
1: I like that he forces her to tell him right in that moment and then walks away saying, Thanks for telling me now. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, she could have put it on his calendar after the funeral, right? I mean, she probably well, no, kinda wanted. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wanted it to come out. Well, he was he was rummaging through his calendar looking for dates to meet with lawyers to seize custody of his children, after all. <laughs> how petty and awful is that? He's horrible. He's just a hor <laughs> I mean, this is the episode where Kendall becomes the killer. That Logan Ooh. tells him he has to be. That's but, why but, Colin's important. That's why Jess is leaving. That's why he wants to take custody of his children. This is he's stepping into that, whatever you want to call it, patriarch yeah. mode, becoming a yeah, father. Also,
2: but this is where Kendall, like He does that thing that he's been doing, you know, from season one, which is like blustering, you know, and you go, "I'm going to go to court to get an emergency court order." Or, you know, I'm going to lie down in front of the thing. You're going to have to run me over if, you know, and then, of course, he can't follow through on any of those threats. And that's the huge difference between Kendall and Logan is that Logan follows through. If he makes a threat, he does it. If Kendall makes a threat, he just lets the car drive away with his children not going to their granddad's funeral.
0: Well, that's the big question for the final episode. Is is Kendall going to finally make good on his threats or not? Because sometimes he can pull it off. Remember when he fired all those people at, um, what was the name?
2: Walter. Walter. Valter. Remember
0: he pulled <laughs> off the big fi- mass firing at Valter? That was pretty yeah, like, like, killer-like. The
2: ca- like, whereas Roman can't do the big public speeches, right. Kendall weirdly always does seem to be able to rise to the occasion, right? He he does the speech to the Valter people. He, he kind of nails it. He did the speech a couple of episodes ago to the shareholders, making Living Plus seem like it was a good idea somehow. You know, even the 40th birthday speech, which was... Shaping oh, up to be a disaster. You know, he doesn't do a disastrous, you know, song there. The rap was not a bad rap at his Come dad's on. birthday parties. <laughs> Come
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> but it that's I error. mean, that's like fifty percent of the CEO job, right? Is just like saying, just like bullshitting in public. Right. On command. Right. Absolutely. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing how much of business at the top top is just bullshit. You know, people just bullshitting. You know, yeah. Well,
3: Sh- Shiv kind of acknowledges that when Matson's coming up with the, you know the objections for her as CEO, and he says, "Well, they say she's incredibly inexperienced," and she's like, "You know, I'm a comms professional. I know how to control this mm-hmm. narrative." So she makes the argument that that's the primary qualification. And there's there's like arguments made that she's not incorrect,
0: but her big idea. Elizabeth is just bury the news on a big news day. I'm not, I could have come up with that idea too. I don't
2: have any comments experience. No, but, but it worked. I mean, number one, <laughs> the, number one, like this is a great day to bury bad news is literally verbatim that, you know, the email that got that woman fired after 9 right. 11. But number two, this was the big thing that we've been worried about for the past few episodes, right? It's that what happens to Gojo stock when these numbers come out. If the Gojo stock implodes, then suddenly the deal is off. She manages to get the news out at a point when no one really cares. And evidently, it hasn't hurt the Gojo stock. And then therefore, like this whole thing that everyone was really worried about turns out to be a little bit of a nothing burger. And the merger, as far as anyone can tell, is still on.
0: Wait, Felix, I- can you remind me about the 9 email? Because I don't remember that.
2: So that was a woman. I believe she was in the UK. Abby, you were nodding along. Mm-hmm. You remember this? Where basically a couple of hours after the planes hit on 9-11, she was like in comms and she sends out an email to her clients basically saying, this would be a really good day to bury bad news. Oh, my
1: God. Don't put it in an email, lady. <laughs> Don't put it in an email. Comms <laughs> 101. Yeah.
2: Okay,
0: thank you
1: for explaining.
4: Hey, listeners. It's Lizzie O'Leary from Slate's What Next? TPD. I want to tell you about an exciting event we are doing with our friends at The Waves. Do you love Succession? If you want to deep dive into the show's feminist heroes and villains and hear smart women investigate the fashion, power, and relationship dynamics of one of HBO's most successful shows, join us for a very special Women of Succession virtual event. It's hosted by me, and it is exclusively for Slate Plus members. It's on Tuesday, May 23rd at 5 p.m. Eastern, and you can sign up now at slate.com slash waves event. See you then.
0: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: I need to talk because I am the um, official English person on <laughs> this show. The absolutely the most English thing that has ever happened on any TV show ever, which was Caroline immediately realizing, unlike any other character in the show, that she was pregnant. And then this is I wrote down her words because it's like it's so perfect. She goes, Oh, are you okay? Yes. Blimey. Well, I never. Well then. Well, well. Exactly. You're it's like, wow, beautiful. It's, 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 it's some of the greatest writing I've ever come across. Yeah.
0: Why? What does it mean?
2: <laughs> it's how it's how the emotionally stunted English communicate with each other by <laughs> using these words that like, you have to be either English or I guess the daughter of an English woman to be able to understand what they mean.
1: It's so very motherly to for her to see it immediately when she's been walking among all these other people and Roman says I thought you were just eating your feelings. <laughs> so like <laughs> she like for her to see it and know it like that is very motherly, but then yeah It's a very British reaction, for sure.
0: (laughs) Or Shiv, no one, usually when you become pregnant and like you're not a teenage girl or something and you tell people, they're like, oh my God, that's amazing, great, I can't wait, a little Shiv is coming. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not one person reacts positively to her news, including Tom her mother, her brothers. Her brothers. Who says, Roman says, is it mine? Which is so gross. (laughs) I know. He said,
1: well, if I watch you breastfeeding, I'm going to have to jerk off. So such a sick little puppy.
0: (laughs) Unbelievable. But no one, yeah, no one gives her any positive feedback. And then she says to Mattson later, you know, oh, I just, you know, I'm a killer. I just need 36 hours of maternity leave. And then someone else will raise it. She keeps calling it it, which is just like, ugh. It's just awful. It's just, you know, there's like another generation. It's just setting up the next generation of emotionally stunted
2: (laughs) people. Well, there's that amazing exchange between caroline and tom where where caroline she might not congratulate Shiv, but she does congratulate tom and she's like yes. hold on you
1: he has planted and the says, seed
2: and, and tom is like <laughs> well if it weren't such a total fucking disaster it would be a dream come true <laughs> i know <laughs>
1: that's like that's not the line you want you know when you're planning your future with no. your beautiful new baby <laughs> just want to be like we're so excited yeah <laughs> Something yeah. normal. Well, everything is positional. Everything is transactional, right? <sighs> That's wealthy families. I mean, like, you <laughs> have to work really hard not to reduce everything to a transaction or a position. And, like, it takes ex- exceptional emotional intelligence to kind of create a world that isn't that. And so most families fail, you know, and some succeed Partially. But but Succession is a story about a family that has zero capacity to hold the transactioning and their positioning at bay. So a baby in any kind of Succession-related show means a lot.
2: Mm. Yeah, talking about the Habsburgs, right? It's it's all about, like, you know— getting the line of succession quite literally in yeah. terms of like, make, yeah. make sure there's another generation to take over.
1: Yeah. And there's never been a better argument for ending hereditary rule than succession. <laughs> 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 and
0: then I feel like over and over Shiv just kept saying like, I'm just going to give it to someone else to take care of. And that just seems the crux of all the problems.
1: She was being sarcastic, but honestly, when she says to Matson, but I'll be the CEO and don't worry, you know, 36 hours, in in the invisible cesarean or something I've had Vanity a cesarean. Cesarean, cesarean. yeah. yeah. yeah,
3: it's yeah not, also,
2: by the way, can, <laughs> nah, we, can we? It still hurts. <laughs> I mean, of all the people who worked out that Shiv was pregnant, like Matson worked it out.
1: I think the, he the, heard the, it from someone. The like yeah, autistic he
2: CEO, but like, who would he have heard it from?
0: Well, the brothers yeah well, hugo apparently has a line to ebba right, right. so so the, that yeah might the, when... the
2: hugo Ebba connect yes. was like whoa you know <laughs>
0: yeah that's surprising isn't it
2: where yeah. ebba is just like so angry at mattson <laughs> that she's like anything i can do to hurt him i'm just going to back channel to hugo like,
0: yeah that, i think that's <laughs> what's going on and you know shiv went public so the information or it could be greg too
2: i don't think greg knew Oh my God. Well, Tom like, would Shib, have told Greg. Shib Tom only, would have told Greg. Shiv only tells her brothers in the car there, right? Yeah. It's but hard. she told
0: Tom already the day before, so Tom could have told Greg. Tom tells they, Greg everything.
2: Yeah. And then Greg probably told Mattson because that's what he does. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. All yeah, I know okay. is
0: Mattson called Greg
1: sexy and yes, he said thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> that's I'm sorry, very did kind. You notice that when his uncle sits down next to him after his eulogy, he says, that was a good hard take. <laughs> <laughs> Greg has zero, he has no soul whatsoever, which he, he, uh,
0: in the previous yeah, season, he was I like, need who the needs a soul? soul? <laughs> and it's really playing out like every episode. He Greg is like, one.
3: maybe has emerged as my favorite character because anytime he enters a scene, you know, something <laughs> hilarious is going to happen. Yes. And even, even just <laughs> biking on a city bike to get to the funeral. Yes. <laughs>
2: I was impressed, man. Like, yeah. clearly, if all shit is going down on the streets of Manhattan, the way to get to the church is by city bike. It's by At least Felix would
0: be into that. I was like, oh, Felix is going to love this because he's
1: into <laughs> the bike.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the 10th anniversary of city bike people, and, and I have taken over 2,000 city bike rides in that wow. time.
0: Very wow. good. So, that's yeah. to any funerals?
2: But I, to my knowledge, <laughs> no.
0: Well, there's still time.
2: There's still time. It's, 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 you know, squad girls.
0: (laughs) So, someone needs to explain to me because I'm Jewish and everyone gets buried under the ground. What the hell is going on with Logan Roy's? What is that? That's a
1: mausoleum. It's a mausoleum. Okay. And he bought it, yes, at a discount.
2: And it was built by, um, again, Cat Food Ozymandias. Cat Food Ozymandias.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's like it really points so out that it's maybe a tax <laughs> so write off because it's maybe a residence. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I believe it is a Greenwood Cemetery uh-huh. in Brooklyn. Yeah, it looks like it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And Greenwood does have its fair share of such things. I think technically what happens is that if Catfu Dozumandius decides he doesn't want it after all, it has to like revert back to the cemetery and then the cemetery will then sell it back to. Logan, they kind of made it sound like Logan bought it from Catfish, Ozymandias. But this is my favorite (laughs) factoid of New York City law, is that if you want to transfer or sell your plot in a cemetery, specifically at Greenwood, to someone else, you can do so only if, I love this so much, the person you are transferring it to is within three degrees of consanguinity.
1: Oh my god.
2: Isn't that awesome? Yes. That's, that, that's another, like, Habsburgian type thing.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? I'm sorry. I'm
2: Basically, they have to be, like, a quality. second cousin. Yeah. Oh.
1: Uh, well, I don't think Logan was <laughs> related that. to that.
2: Well, he had the Combin. cool five
1: mil, so who's going
2: to say he had motivation. the five yeah. mil? Yeah, like I five love Connors.
1: It's like five million, <laughs> but, you know, it's like forever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good deal. Yeah, there's no maintenance charges. <laughs>
1: But the size of it, he's clearly presuming that everybody's going to want to be buried with him, and I don't think and anybody shared with him not, that that was oh not wrong.
2: Like Connor wants Connor wants and Roman, he's like, I'm going to have to check with Will a bit. Like I wouldn't yeah. mind having a bunk.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's true.
2: That's true. But, but
0: like, it, it, how? I'm sorry again. Mausoleum. What? What exactly
1: happens? So you just get? You're just in the, in the in casket. A on well, actually, the star of the show is in a casket inside that like stone square. That, thing. that big so like like, Western-style Western marble. You marble
2: crypt yeah. thing. So you'd inside, yeah, so you go ahead and
1: decompose. But Connor says he didn't want to go in the ground, which is so Ozymandias, right? I'm too good for that. <laughs> Everybody else decays underground. I'm going to decay just in my box here. And then everybody else goes in the drawer nearby. And it's so set up to understand that, like, this is the guy you care about. Nobody spends any time over there reading those <laughs> names on those side ones. <laughs> Who gives a shit about those people? Let's just keep things where they ought to be in terms of respect. Do
2: you think, like, Marsha wants to wind up in there as well?
1: No way. Marsha's going to find a new boyfriend and uh, live happily I, I, I reckon. Or girlfriend.
2: That, I reckon that Peter and Caroline definitely want in.
1: Peter definitely <laughs> does. Peter does. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just Peter and Roman who wind but, up in there.
2: No, Peter and Connor.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I see Connor like getting his ashes spread in all sorts of weird ways. Well, places. no, he was
2: really into cryogenics. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Forgot
1: about Crazy that. for cryogenics. Crazy.
2: Crazy. <laughs> Crazy for cryogenics.
1: I really love that at the very last second, Shiv says, well, I'm really intrigued to see how he gets out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too.
0: It's <laughs> very funny. I was thinking how the Caroline Peter Munyan marriage is very much like the Shiv Tom mm. marriage, in that, like, Caroline's constantly out there undermining him to whoever she can talk to and just like yeah. making nasty digs at her husband who's a social climber. It's the same marriage, right? Yeah. Well, is
2: Shiv that rude about Tom to other people?
0: Yes. I mean, oh that was God. the plot of the election tailgate exactly. party. She was going around
1: undermining him right. to everyone. That's it Mr. Right. Miles, not too spicy or whatever she said. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 If I said that about my husband in front of mixed company, I'd be like sleeping <laughs> on the couch for days. Yeah. And she's <laughs> not. You it were before, spreading like, rumors she... that
3: your husband was going to be
4: fired from your family. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that was sort of interesting. Like it's the same, it's the same dynamic.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
3: On the Slow Newscast from Tortoise, I tell the story of how a Hong Kong billionaire was silenced.
2: I got bombs thrown into my house. I got people came here ransacked my computer and I I got people fracturing me. I got this and that, but I'm safe.
3: And what it reveals about the freedoms Hong Kong no longer enjoys. Listen to Hong Kong's Rebel Billionaire on the Slow Newscast wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Abby, I wanted to ask you about the sales pitch that Matson gives to Mencken, because that yeah. was super interesting to me. Basically, Mencken is like, some motherfuckers I don't want in the tent, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, I mm-hmm. am a Nazi, and so I want to hang out with other Nazis. <laughs> right. Matson then says to him, We are making the thing that everyone has. It's either a couple of tiny men in your pocket or a gateway to broad cultural influence. He's basically saying, you can own Kendall and Roman. Like clearly you can boss them around and get what you want and, you know, they can be your loudspeaker and they are not going to get to call the tunes. Or if you don't block the deal, then you can have all of Gojo. You know, you can have a relationship with something which is actually culturally much more relevant. And from Mencken's point of view, it seems like from the call that Matson makes to Shiv that he is convinced. He would rather have a grown up relationship with Matson and Shiv where like he gets access to the makers of culture so that he can turn you know America into a right. Nazi paradise or whatever his dream is, rather than just having a mouthpiece in ATN.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I thought it was interesting because part of what he said was, I have what everybody wants and very few people understand how it works. There is a way in which even the most broad internet communication is still a little bit lending itself to the Nazi, you know, worldview that only a handful of people should be in charge of it. And I thought he was sort of offering that I, a Swede, who <laughs> says willkommen to you when you walk up to me, <laughs> will be one of the few people, don't you want somebody like me to be with you in being the few people who understand this?
2: Right, exactly. Like if you're a politician and you're being enough offered an alliance with Mark Zuckerberg, you know, you will take it, right? Yeah. Because Mark Zuckerberg has the ability to yeah. to shape history. And the whole Cambridge Analytica thing was basically, you know, yes. was that hacked by someone else. But no one doubts whether or not there was any truth to that. No one doubts that if Zuckerberg wanted to shape history by like twiddling the algorithm, he could.
1: Yeah, so he who controls the algorithm controls the world. And I, th- I thought that was what Matson was saying in that. That's what he was offering up. And if you feel better with a girl and an American as a CEO, that's fine. That's fine.
0: (laughs) I felt like Shiv was really coming into an Ivanka space in this episode, right? Mm. Like swallowing Mm -hmm. her so-called progressive ideals um, and just going along (laughs) because this is where the power is. I mean, she basically says as much. Yeah, for sure.
2: My dad was flexible. I can be flexible. Right, exactly.
3: (laughs) Something to aspire to. I think Ivanka is more flexible than Shiv, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think feel, we'll I feel see.
2: like there, yeah. was, there is no limit. I mean, I think we saw in this episode that there is no limit to how flexible Shiv can become. Like, she was the one who refused, you know, who was almost refused to stand next to Mencken at that photo op in the last season, right? And now she's like, yeah, I can work with you. Yeah. 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 She's come a long way.
1: Well, let's see. The last time she was inflexible was on the election night coverage. You know, and look what it got her, total failure. So maybe she's incorporating that lesson. Or maybe it's just a short term thing to get the Matson deal to go through. I mean, I think she cares more about the Matson deal going through because she has a line on power there.
2: If she can get the Matson deal to go through and become massively wealthy because the Matson deal goes through and they get $3 billion each or whatever it is, and she winds up a CEO of the combined company, then that is the greatest conceivable win for any of logan's heirs and in a tv show called succession clearly she becomes the successor and she is running an even bigger company and she's ceo and the other two siblings are nowhere you know i feel like the chances of this happening in the next one episode that we have left are slim but that's the that's clearly the dream
1: yeah yeah Yeah, I'm so curious what they're going to do next week because, like, there are so many (laughs) loose ends that need tying off.
0: It seems like they're setting up Shiv versus Kendall in terms of who gets to be in charge. But just knowing the show for the past few years, like, they always lose these kids. So I can't imagine them winning in the next episode, right?
1: I don't know. I feel like I saw Kendall step into it, you know, and there felt like a real possibility that maybe he could change himself enough to fit into it.
3: There's always a lot of misdirection in the episodes, but my gut is still Kendall because the the first season focused so heavily on him. Everything Mm -hmm. seemed to revolve around him, and I I think if they had the end in mind when they started it, then Kendall probably ends up on top.
2: I feel like the failure of the Gojo stocks to react to the news of the fake Indian accounts (laughs) has basically (laughs) made it impossible for Kendall to do his reverse Viking. Do we we know that for sure? Yeah, because... That's when Madison phones up Shiv and it's like you're uh, what does he call it the Red Devil oh, or something right, the like Red Devil. You, you you know Old you've got it absolutely right. Deal. It uh-huh. turns out that this was the best time to bury bad news and no one seems to care.
1: Oh my god! Well, nobody's talking about how actually with everybody setting things on fire up and down the streets across the country, <laughs> I don't think the share prices of anything are doing very well
2: it's, today. It's it's a little bit Tiananmen-y out there. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, my God, what's going to happen? Like, we know from these last few years, so you can't put that genie back in the bottle really easily. And, uh, and so what the question is, like, where are we headed? You know, we're in an imaginary place now that could be the kind of civil war out there, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think in, in this world that if Mencken becomes president after all those votes that were almost certainly cast against him— you know went up in flames you can just imagine how out of control that protests yeah. would be not just in new york Almost, but yeah. everywhere yeah
1: yeah protests and counter protests inevitably that would come to blows I mean which is sort of how I feel about what's happening here now but
2: what do you think Gabby about the ending of this episode with Roman like oh, fighting yeah. all of the protesters and like when one of them tries to help him he's like fuck you don't touch me
1: yeah that was just heartbreaking really it was so not not in the sort of pathos but bathos kind of way i mean he was just you know taking as a masochist that he is just taking the beating that he knows in his heart he deserves i mean it's just that was just Harper. that was like him listening to his father's words over and over again on the at the end of another episode where he's just listening to you know you're just you have a small dick or whatever it was he said at the end of that episode It was just him flagellating himself it was heartbreaking
2: in terms of favorite lines mm-hmm. i'm gonna say that like apropos the fucked up politics of america and of this show i think my favorite line of this show is probably when lucas says i'm just saying you are nearly as mature a democracy as botswana oh yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) just saying oh yes
2: and he's not wrong
1: no he's not a democracy for like
3: 50 years
1: uh yeah she didn't like him saying that it's like no wait wait oh yeah black people
3: Not if you Oops. don't count the black people, which is a bad habit you have.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I liked Shiv saying. I thought I heard Dalmatians howling when her mother was oh, yeah. in. A- <laughs> <laughs> that
2: was a great line. Oh, yes,
1: she's so great. She also says to her mother, by the way, she says, "Don't they grow up emotionally stunted that way?" When she talks about just handing her yeah. baby out to somebody,
2: Kevin "No." Nah.
1: I liked,
0: you would never have dared not to come to his funeral when he was alive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which is true. But then Tom responds with, like, well, he's lost a significant amount of his influence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also true. <laughs> Probably the most true line in the whole show. That's the whole point.
3: And that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, mine was when uh, Minken is asking Matson what his politics are, and he says, privacy, pussy, pasta, and then just, <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and she right. says, anarcho-capitalist Parmesan. <laughs> right,
2: But that's, yeah, that's, like, it's true. That's definitely the Elon part of yeah. Matson right there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we just had, this past week, we had a completely insane elon interview on cnbc where he was just basically saying he was so into this concept of being able to go out and say racist things on the internet that like he will happily blow up an entire company and 44 billion dollars to do it and he quoted the princess bride he quoted inigo montoya in the princess bride saying offer me money offer me power i don't care and then bless him we love him more than words can say, Mandy Patinkin came out on Twitter yes. and said, I do not think the word means what you think it means. <laughs> okay, so what's what's coming up? What are, Do we have a clue? Has this episode really helped us narrow the potential space of possible outcomes here?
0: Maybe. I mean, Roman seems not. Not to be emerging victorious in the next yeah, episode. Yeah, Roman's
2: going to be very bruised in the next episode, at the very least. He's going to have a black eye, I think.
0: He yeah. fucked it, as they say. There's the way yeah. Kendall, Kendall
3: characterizes it. He says, You thought you were dad. You tried to dad it. You failed.
1: <laughs> you tried to dad it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was another piece of evidence for me that he was taking on the killer persona. And that's another reason why I thought, oh, okay, maybe he's stepping into it now. But I, who knows? It's like, well, it's a great cliffhanger, right? Because you now have the two viable possible CEOs after all of this jockeying for position and this willingness to just crush each other and still get into the limo together and chat on your way to Chad's
4: funeral. Yeah.
2: The one thing this episode did do was to cut off the thing that was the big possibility at the end of last season, which is that Matson just takes over and the kids are yeah. nowhere. You know, they get cashed out and they become, you know, free-floating rich kids putting together the hundred or whatever, right? That is now not the possibility. If Matson takes over, then he comes with Shiv attached. And right. Shiv has this amazing, she's playing it both ways, right? She's like, on the one hand, I get to be the CEO of the combined company and run everything. But on the other hand, she's telling Matson, like, you're the I'll chairman, I'll do puppet. whatever, I'll be your puppet. Yeah. Like, wow.
1: Yeah. But that, that felt very like a cagey way of promising something. You know that uh, well, yeah, promise mean, like, easily Ke- broken.
2: <laughs> Kendall, Kendall, and, and Roman, you know, promised to be the puppet of the board and just like make the deal go through, and they broke that promise after about yes. twenty five seconds.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Mencken's supposed to be
1: Roman's puppet. No. Yeah, incorrect. Yeah, exactly. Rankin right. yeah.
2: is definitely yeah. not.
1: Did you notice that? What f- was it, Frank? No, it was Carl who says to Kendall a couple episodes ago, "I got your dick in my hand. You have yeah. got my dick." In-. And then Kendall says, "He's got our dick in his hand. We need his <laughs> and ours." He's learning, man. He's learning.
2: There's a lot of there's <laughs> a lot of people wanting a lot of other people's dicks in there. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, you know, Roman just wants to have sex with Marshall on his dad's coffin.
1: <laughs> yeah, Roman. Oh my God, with the mother figures. Oh God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I guess I sort of see Abby's angle that Kendall emerges here as like the rightful successor to his dad. But on the other hand, this is succession. No one ever wins anything, and especially Kendall. He's always about to win, and then he fucks it every time, you almost know, every it's, season.
1: It's patriarchy, though. Like, who's going to win? Who's going to win? And if this is in any way going to be, you know, a satire of the way it works, Mm -hmm. then the only way it can possibly work is for the oldest male child to step into that Quasi pan Habsburgian line of succession and take over, you know, mm-hmm. and his like. I mean, I always said it's very Henry the Fourth because Henry the Fourth is all about Henry the Fifth running around and messing things up and doing stupid things. His friend Falstaff and all of that, but it's it, but it's all about like how he sheds all that stuff and becomes the king. And that's where I think the Shakespeare comes into it. Or
0: everyone could die, and then Fortinbras. This was yeah. a theory that did been come <laughs> up with, it. and then Fortinbras, who's like from.
1: Norway, or something. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> One of those. He's he a he Northerner. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Yes. I didn't even think of that. Of course, of course. I love the way they are always showing off their their expensive education. They like to throw that out there with the Ozymandias quotes and so forth, or all these money changers in the temple. That's what Kendall says when he walks into the. Yeah, I did not know how to funeral. That's yeah. like what a remarkable <laughs> thing for him
0: to say of all people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to note that Kendall. I don't think anyone ever gets a real laugh on the show, but he actually got a laugh in his eulogy. Oh, wow. And I was impressed by that. You know, when he said the thing about money and yeah. people laughed. <laughs> that never happens. And he
2: got applause, right? Yeah. That was the thing that like, you know, Shiv and Ewan and certainly Roman didn't get applause. Yeah. Kendall got applause, which is not something you normally, I don't. I, I can't remember people clapping a eulogy. No, or, I think it, no. it goes
3: back to what you know abby was saying it's it's a he gives this rousing speech that's pro capitalism pro money and so, if, whenever he says, you know, and the money he made, and people kind of laugh, it's, it's definitely like an uncomfortable, knowing, insidery laugh where everybody in the room yeah. is like, yeah, we, we do care about money.
2: It's not, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like, a eulogy all, is,
1: that's the reason we're here. So, it's the yeah. time where you can
2: <laughs> say the quiet part out loud. Yeah, originally.
1: what did he call money? It was something about the corpuscles of <laughs> yeah. the,
3: the life life.
2: blood of.
1: <laughs> I mean, Thomas, it was very gooey that speech, and visible. yeah, I mean, it was really scary the way. <laughs> yikes! I was going to say, I also like that Mencken calls Roman the Grim Weeper. <laughs> tiny tears, <laughs> tiny tears. <laughs> That's when you know oh it's God. really over for Roman. Yeah, um, you, you can't, you
2: can't come back from the Grim Weeper. <laughs> you really can't. Okay, so that's the grand finale. We set it all up. It's happening next week. We will be back a little bit later than normal on Monday afterwards to recap everything. We have a regular Sleep Money show on Saturday. And then Monday afternoon, if all goes according to plan, we will be here on Sleep Money Succession with David Falkenflick for the grand finale of Sleep Money Succession and of Succession. Wow, it's been a ride, of people
1: going to be sad and happy (laughs) all at once Emily (laughs) is shedding tiny tears